بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says أن تعبد الله كأنك تراه فإن لم تكن تراه فإنه يراك that you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as though you see him and if you cannot see him if you can't feel as though you can see him then understand at least that he can see you so there's two things that you understand from here <clears throat> what he's saying here is not the knowledge of something uh, the fact that you see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you feel you sense you have this state this is talking about two states rather than some knowledge we all have the knowledge that Allah sees us we all have the knowledge that we should be able to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's manifestation everywhere so what this hadith is telling us to do is not to just have the knowledge of that fact which all Muslims should have but rather to have the state of that which is the actual consciousness and presence of that that yes I can see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani I can see Allah through everything or that at least he sees me that which is the lesser state so this is what you call a hal a state as opposed to a knowledge and I think at this point it's important to explain that when it comes to the path it's about creating states not about developing knowledge all the time knowledge is developed in madaris knowledge is developed through lectures and speeches and books and academic study the whole point of the sawf the whole point of the path uh, of wilayat is to have a state when these matters become a state a second nature as such it becomes so embedded in the person then that's when a person has uh, an ascendancy that's when a person gets closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is the state that the state of ihsan <clears throat> because in the first two iman and islam the prophet sallallahu explained what the belief should be and what the external worship should be that you pray salat you bear witness you pray you make salat you you fast and so on and so forth that's why Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani mentions in his Fathul Bari, his commentary of Bukhari. He says, the meaning of this ihsan, the meaning of this state is أَنْ يَغْرِبَ عَلَيْهِ مُشَاهَدَةُ الْحَقِّ بِقَلْبِهِ حَتَّى كَأَنَّهُ يَرَى اللَّهَ تَعَالَى شَانَهُ A witnessing of the haqq, a witnessing of the true one becomes dominant takes over the heart as though he sees Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala witnessing Allah means seeing the witnesses to Allah the entire world is a witness to Allah so when a wali is able to when a person is able to see Allah through everything meaning see his workings see his actions see his beauty see his majesty then it is as though he's seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he's seeing him everywhere that's what Ibn Hajj al-Asqalani explained so this kayfiya, this state, this kayfiya, this hal cannot be, it's actually a kayfiya, it's a kayfiya, it's a state. It cannot be gained through books or tabligh or tadris, teaching, propagating. It, although these things could help in a, in a side sense, but really they come, uh, th- this is the important part, they come from heart to heart. Because a state is a matter of the heart, not in a book. So that's why when you actually see somebody with that state, the hearts are very powerful. The hearts have their own power 
and their own effect. That's why the benefit. I mean, I'll just give you my a simple example. This last uh, four days, from mon uh, Sunday night to Thursday, I had uh, Mufti Tahir with me from Samanpur. And I personally believe he's a man of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, he has khilafat from Mufti Mahmud and so on. But I've witnessed him for the last several years when he's come home and stayed for a few days. <clears throat> you can leave him in his room for a few hours. In fact, after breakfast, immediately he says, okay, just give me some time. He'll do his nawafil, he'll do his dhikr, he'll... And he tells me, don't worry about me. You know, I, I won't get bored. Don't worry about me. I don't get bored. And he doesn't have too much in that room. He's very simple, very simple. Every time he comes to this small suitcase, right? That's it. So he's got no desire for anything else. I mean, he's come for his madrasa that he's, he's building. But he just sits there and he does his dhikr. He does his dhikr. He does his, uh, his nawafil. Uh, he reads Quran. And then after that, then he reads a book. That's it. He just, that's all he does. So, I've clearly benefited by just being with him for four days. Like, I've actually benefited. Like, I can feel a change. Like, you know, you've just helped yourself. That, that's what he means, that these states generally don't come from books or anything else. It comes from the heart. That's why the importance of a majlis as opposed to just listening to a lecture. You get something out of a lecture, but it's about being in the gathering of hearts, which, uh, which benefits people. That's why he says states are a matter of the heart, and these things are generally transferred from heart to heart. Because this is kayfiyatul insaniyah, kayfiyat ihsaniyah, that's what you call this. <clears throat> just by sitting with good people, of course... You have to do certain things. We have to do certain things ourselves. You can't just sit with somebody good and go, go back out and then just involve ourselves with the haram and uh, lead a life of impurity. That can't be possible because then you lose it immediately. Anything that is possible, you lose it. In fact, the heart won't be open to it. The heart has to be open to benefit from somebody else. That's why they say about uh, Allama Kunawi, the Allama Rumi, that he was really, his heart was ready, he was just looking for somebody. When he met Shams Tabriz, it was just, I mean, it's a very Sufi kind of theme here, but basically the love of Allah was just poured in afterwards because he just needed that, although his heart was very ready. Now, how does one gain nisbat? This is the nisbah. How does one gain this nisbat? You see, in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, they say that just merely seeing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam was enough to create nisbah in somebody, as long as their heart was ready, as long as they had iman. That's why the Sahaba have that special maqam. They were kuffar, they were disbelievers, they were enemies who also saw Rasulullah but nothing happened to them. Right? Their hearts weren't ready. That proves that heart has to be ready. Right? Even if a non-Muslim is looking, is sincere and is seeking, he will find. Because the heart is very, very important. According to the early and the later Mashaykh, they say that uh, it was sufficient for one meeting with the Prophet ﷺ to take a person to the state of Ihsan. What do I mean by the state here? Is again that state of the heart that they are able to then witness Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning they have the nuraniyyah. This nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enters the heart and the darkness uh, moves away. The reason they were able to benefit from this is because of the other things that they would do for their heart to be prepared and conducive to accept this nisbah and this transfer of this nuraniyah. 
That's why Shah Waliullah, this is what he writes. He says, I'm going to read this in Urdu. He says that, Mera guman hai ke sahabai kiram nisbat ko aur tariqo se bhi hasil farmate the. They would also benefit from the nisbah through using other means. Mathanan namaz or tasbihat par unke sharaid ke saath muadabat. To do your salat and the tasbihat with their conditions. That's the most important. Most people, many, many people pray, but it's about the fulfilling the sharait, to having the presence and the concentration and so on. Taharat, yade maut, or adab or thawab ke khial par mudawamat ke in chizo se maddi laddato se betaluki peda hoti hai. Basically, st- constant state of purity, we'll actually, I'll explain them in a bit. Constantly remembering death and a focus on punishment and reward of things. This is, these things help to turn a person away from the love of dunyawi pleasures. Shawaliullah then carries on and he provides uh, some more explication to this. He says, Dhanne ghalib is faqir ka yahi hai, ke sahaba or tabi'in is nisbat or sakine, sakina ko dusre tarike se bhi hasil kya karte the. I think one of the benefits of him telling us this is telling us that the sahaba used to use, also use, there were also other means that by which they developed this state. One is, he says, My dominant opinion is that Sahaba and Tabi'een used to gain this nisbah and this sakina, this tranquility, this state of uh, contentment through other means as well. Mathalan, ek tariqa uska ye tha ke pabandi ke saad namaz parte the. Regular on their prayer. Khalwat mein tasbihat ka iltizam aur ehtimam farmate the. That means doing tasbihat in seclusion. Because that's when you're with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's when nobody's there to see you. So you're not doing it for anybody else. You're doing it for yourself. Or tamam umur mein khushu aur khudu aur hudur qalb ka khas khiyal rakhte the. And in every matter, they were focused on khushu and khudu. Khushu means the reverent fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That would always be forefront in their mind. Khudu, they would be constantly entreating Allah for acceptance. And their heart would be constantly present. Nis ek tarika tarika tahsil in ispet ka yebita ke zahiri or batini taharat par mudawamatrakte. Like they were they were very regular with external and internal purity. This is where many, many of us fail. We may remain pure outside, and again, most people don't remain in wudu all the time. That's the first thing to always remain in tahara. Uh, of course, ghusl, right? Uh, to be constantly in the state of ghusl and never to delay that, right? course for women in menstruation they can't help it in that situation but then when a person doesn't have janaba then could be as pos- as far as possible to stay with wudu your wudu breaks go and do wudu as soon as possible so stay in wudu and this is not something very difficult especially if you're working use those socks those uh, waterproof socks seal skins whatever they call and just try to go and do your wudu just try to stay in wudu so that every time salat time comes, you don't have to worry about wudu. If that state becomes yours, where you have to do have I broken my wudu? If your state becomes like, not like, I have to go and do wudu for every prayer. Just to think, I, I still have wudu. That should be the natural state. That should be the permanent state. And then baltini. The baltini is to, uh, is to keep the mind pure from evil, uh, from evil thoughts. 
evil desires. That is very, very important. Of course, these are things you can't just switch on just like this. They have to be developed with a focus. Isi tarah se ladhato ko tord dene wali cheez, yani maut ka hamesha istihzar rakhte the, which means that to keep a constant state of maut. Because maut, desire for death, believe me, it is the most powerful thing you can have. If you start focusing on your immorality, I've only got, you know, how many more years have I got to live? Like even if you don't think, I mean, it's difficult to think I'm going to die tomorrow, right? Because humans, we deal with examples around us. So we see other people, they've lived till 70 and 80, right? And we might think, well, my father, he, he's still alive or he's, you know, uh, my grandfather's still alive. And these things deceive us to think death is going to come tomorrow, right? Okay, fine. The way to then do it, at least to start with this, is to think, how many years have I passed of my life already? I'm coming to 30. I'm coming to 40. I've gone beyond these really important parts of my life. You know, I've maybe developed this kind of illness. Oh, look what happened. So and so died. So use these cues to understand that I've only so much life left. Even in my prediction, it's getting less. And then you start realizing, is it worth it for me to go and pursue this? Is it worth it for What am I doing this for? then that really helps to sift out what's necessary and what is just extra. When a person can sift out what's necessary from what's extra, like I need to get this, okay, it's important for me and for my children, right? And this is all extra, I don't really need it in terms of what we need to acquire in our life, what we need to work for, what we need to do this and that for. That is important to sift these things out and help, death really helps to uh, uh, provide, that, uh, provide that kind of filter. نیز اللہ تعالیٰ نے مطیعین کے لیے جو اجر و ثواب اور انعام و اکرام تیار کر رکھا ہے اور نافرمانیوں کے لیے جو عذاب و شدائد مہیا کر رکھے ہیں ان سب کو برابر پیش نظر رکھتے تھے سو آل دا ریوارڈز فار دا گڈ ڈیڈز کیپ دیٹ ان مائنڈ دے ہیلپ ہیومن بینگز لو بونسز دے لو ریوارڈز سو ٹو کیپ دوز ان مائنڈ آل گیٹ دس ریوارڈ فار دس آل گیٹ دس ریوارڈ فار دس اٹ ہیلپس So to read hadith that give you targheeb and uh, persuade you towards something, show you the rewards of something, it really, really helps. Likewise, we're also fearful. So then to give a dose of that, which is that this is the punishment for this, this is the punishment for this, this is how long a person will be punished in the year for. Maybe if he lies too much, then uh, his uh, cheeks will be, uh, what would you call it, torn apart. His head will be crushed for this reason or that reason to listen to these ahadith once in a while. And the thing is that even if, again, this is not knowledge, that's why sometimes we think, I've read that book once, there's no point reading it again, I know what's in there. It's not about that. It's about creating a state by reading something powerful over and over again. So if there is a book that has benefited you, if there is some chapter of hadith or a particular hadith that's benefited you, then read it over and over again with thought. And then he says, اسی طرح ایک طریقہ حصول نسبت کا پابندی کے ساتھ کتاب اللہ کی تلاوت This is another way. A very, very powerful way. A very, very powerful way. And, and unfortunately, many of us who don't understand Arabic are deprived of this unless they focus and get a translation. Is that they with regularity recite the Quran or uske maana mein ghor karna or wa'id or nasih ki baad par kaan darna or sami mein qalb se uska sunna tha. Which means any part of the uh, any verse that is giving nasiha any verse that is uh, um, providing some kind of 
warning, you actually interact with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with his speech, with the meaning. <clears throat> Likewise, any chapters of hadith or any hadith, he says, hadith sharif ke wa madameen jin se kuloob min narmi peda ho, unka sunna bhi tha. Which is the riqaq, as they call them, the chapters on uh, heart softening narrations. They are supposed to, this is all from Shah Waliullah's Al-Qawlul Jameel. So, this is the this is from the, these are basically turuku tahsili nisbah. These are the paths to gain the nisbat with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, generally what people say that it was sufficient with the, uh, with the sahaba to just see the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That's true, but in a qualified sense. Basically, this is what he's saying, that he doesn't reckon that that is an absolute truth only because clearly the Sahaba never just did that, where they were just with the Prophet and then they did nothing else. Because when you look at the Sahaba and their stories, they did everything else. They were on the highest level. I mean, we can hardly reach many of them, right? if any of them, for that matter. So these were all things that they did, which helped them to gain this nisbah from the Prophet. That's why he says, uh, th then they say that, a lot of the time, people have this understanding, right? and this is very relevant to us, that you will gain nisbah purely by just fulfilling the adhkar and the muraqabad that your shaykh gives you. And that is a path, that is one way. But the problem with us is that no one single way helps us because we've got too much pollution coming from outside. If we had clean hearts, then a single way, just reading the Qur'an would be sufficient. But because we have so much challenge out there, in all of these things, for example, one person wrote and he said that, this is how many years I've been in the tariqah, and you know, I just don't feel any different. Right? Now the person is alone, he's not even in this country, he's in another country where it's, you know, the only thing he has access to is a bit of tabligh, nothing else, no mashaykh, nothing. It's the only thing he has access to. The most righteous people he has uh, access to are the tablighi, local tablighi brothers. That's it. And a lot of people expect magic. When they come into a tariqah, they expect that immediately it's going to happen. They don't come to a majlis. There are people locally. They do not come to a majlis, but they will write to you that, I don't know what to do. I just, just don't know what to do. Well, what do you expect us to do? This is not Allah you're speaking to. This is not a person with magic you're speaking to. This is not gained through magic. This is gained through some kind of effort. Come to a majlis at least. If you're saying, this is how I feel, I feel a wreck, I feel like this, I feel like that. I can't do my adhkar, I can't do this, I can't do that. I'm even missing prayers sometimes, some people say. What can I do? Now the one thing good is they've got a sense of guilt, okay? But what do you expect the shaykh to do? Like what do you expect? You have to do something at least. At least you start coming to the majlis, at least bring yourself to the place. Start doing something or the other. You can't just sit and complain in that moment of doubt, in that moment when things become overwhelmed. You have to help yourself. Both positively and negatively. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't change a people until they change themselves. Basically, in other words, what that means is Allah doesn't do anything to anyone until they take the first step. That means positively or negatively. What that means is Allah will not improve their state unless they take the first step to improve their state. Then Allah will help them. Likewise, Allah will not destroy a place until they take the first step.
This verse works both ways. If you want to improve, take the first step. Allah will help you. If somebody wants to be destroyed, they will first start. That's why it says that فَبِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِيهِمْ It's because of what their hands earned that Allah does this. Allah did this to them. Not because Allah just said, I don't like you guys. خلاص, finish. I'm going to finish you off. It says, when we want to create fasad in a place, then أَمَرْنَا مُتْرَفِيهِمْ فَفَسَقُوا فِيهَا It's in Surah Al-Isra that we command the, 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 you know, the, the facade makers, the mischief makers, and they start causing facade. فَحَقَّ عَلَيْهِمُ الْقَوْلِ Then uh, the, 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 the decision comes against them, the decree is uh, formed against them. So both positively and negatively, the thing has to start from oneself. Sometimes it doesn't start from, an, it doesn't start from the community as a whole. See, the benefit of having people of Allah in your community is that because of their efforts, the, re- the, the, the help that Allah provides benefits everybody. That's why look at communities, even in London, right? We have many, many different pockets in London of different communities, different people linked to different masajid. There are some which are very deprived communities. They've got nothing going on. They don't even have an Islamic school. They've got nothing going on whatsoever, right? In others, they have, mashallah, masjid. They have uh, uh, tablighi work going on. They have uh, schools going on for boys and for girls. They have classes. They have for women. They have for children. They have tajweed. They have this, that, and the other. Where does all of that come from? Because there were a few concerned individuals who tried something. Then Allah helped them. When nobody, nobody, they're all focused on the dunya, then no, how is Allah going to help them like that? That's why the benefit of living in, a, that's why it's well worth it if you are going to buy a house or move somewhere, to move somewhere where there is sulaha, where there is a masjid, where there is activity. Because if we can't do it ourselves, then at least we can benefit from what somebody else is doing. Allah does not change a people until they take that first step and change themselves. Likewise, if we're moving into an area that's just full of the dunya, we want to upscale to a place where there's no masjid, it's just a nicer place, and the people are all there just having huge parties and just indulging in big cars and everything like that, well, that's what you're going to get. You have taken that step. That's why houses close to a masjid are very valuable. Yes, both money-wise they are valuable, you know, they, they go up in price, and really they're valuable. Really, David. I've got a I've got a cousin who moved out of Hackney, uh, and to to a to a house in Forestgate first. Then he moved to Ilford, but to a place where there's an area of Ilford where there's not much going on. The masjid is uh, it's close, but it's not uh, you know the the kind of thing that he can benefit from. And there's not much else going on in the area. Now he's made a really nice house, but now he wants to move from there because he's understanding that his children that will be suffering. So. These are all factors that we have to place ourselves in the world. If you've placed yourself in a position, don't want to do anything for yourself, and then somehow you want it to be magic, turn into a wali of Allah the next day, then you're going to have to ask Allah. Yes, Allah has that ability, but let's see how much dua you can do. These things don't happen by magic. So that's why he says that, first and foremost, going back to this, uh, number one, you cannot, he's saying here that you can't even just rely on the, uh, the, the adhkar and the muraqabat of the mashayikh give you. That's not even just enough. That's just really just basic vitamins every day that you need. No, not even, no forget it, the vitamins are secondary. Vitamins are additional nourishment. This is just basic food that you need for your soul. You know the, the muraqabah we give and the tasbihat, this is just basic, basic food. 
Now you can have different types of food Then you can have very carefully selected and prepared food You can eat a lot of junk Which means just doing the adhkar like that with no concentration It's not junk but you know you can just do the adhkar They will still have a bit of benefit You know the food you'll get some nutrients from them But if it's carefully, carefully formulated food Where it's a balanced diet Right then you'll get even additional benefit. So if there's a special focus, a presence of mind in the mudhakarat, uh, in the muraqabat, etc., that will benefit. But at the end of the day, that is still just one tariq. You still have to have other tariq, and it can't be all put into that. That's why uh, Sufi Muhammad Iqbal, who is uh, supposed to be a very big wali of Allah of the recent times, he says that, Anybody who wants this nisbat to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they have to have sohbat ahlullah. That is very powerful tariq. Because it comes from heart to heart. And or dhikrullah ka iltizam. Have sohbat and have dhikrullah. Both of these things are necessary. Otherwise you're just going to complain. That's why he says, nisbat sirf or sirf ahlullah ke siyon se muntaqil hoti hai. The nisbat only comes from the heart of the Ahlullah. Because states are not carried in books, they are carried in hearts. And that's why the hearts are very powerful in terms of the effect that they provide. For example, we're going to compare this to a person who's not doing any dhikr but wants, always wants something, right? They perform, there's a man who performs tahajjud all night, but he has no taqwa. Right? So he performs tahajjud, it's become a habit that he's able to perform tahajjud for many hours at night, but he has no taqwa in the daytime. There's another person who doesn't perform tahajjud, he just does his faraid, he's got no tahajjud, but a man, man of taqwa, a man of great taqwa, clear, pure in the heart. Meaning, he doesn't even he avoids even a single haram glance. Right? He avoids even a single haram glance. And for not for a moment does he displease Allah. He's very concerned about that. No tahajjud at night. But he doesn't displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the slightest. The shaykh who's mentioning this says, Wallahi, he says, I say by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, I'm saying this while I'm fasting, and he was saying this while he was in the haram. He says, I'm in the Baladul Amin, right? He's in Makkah, and he's I'm fasting. That the person who stays with taqwa doesn't do tahajjud, his nur will be extremely powerful. Because taqwa is how you gain your power. And that's why Ramadan, it's for tattaqoon, to curb the self away from permissible things food, drink, and sexual intercourse with the spouse. We're told to curb ourselves of that. We gain mastery over our nafs because, you know, you feel like having a coffee at 10 o'clock. You can't have it. Your mouth goes dry. Yourself is protesting. I can't work. I don't know how I'm going to pass the rest of the day. I need this water. I need that cool, you know, uh, whatever it is, or the coffee or whatever the case. You can't. A few days later, don't we get used to it? Right? Unless somebody's got illness or something, you, we get used to it. That tells us how we gain power over our nafs. So he says that <clears throat> it's through love of Allah and taqwa that the heart becomes filled with the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We are doing all of these adhkar 
to get connected to Allah so that we can fear Him, so that we can have taqwa of Him. All of this is to develop taqwa at the end of the day. And that's why when this light is in the heart, it will then eventually manifest outside. And thus Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, سِمَاهُمْ فِي وُجُوهِهِمْ مِنْ أَثَرِ السُّجُودِ Based on this, Allama Alusi, who is the great Iraqi Mufassir, uh, from Baghdad, he says, "Huwa nurun yadhharu ala al-abidin yabda'u min batinihim ila zahirihim. Which means it's a nur and a light which appears on the abidin. It starts internally and then it manifests externally. So the internal has to be proper. That is where it's going to be. So, let us stop waiting for a miracle to happen. Let us try for ourselves. And certain, the main thing is to decide for oneself that, look, these are my priorities. I'm going to go to the majlis. I'm going to do this dhikr, And I'm going to try my best. And, I, and, I, and I'm, uh, I'm going to try my best to avoid as many sins as possible. And if I do commit sins, I'm going to make tawbah. So basically, every night at least, I'm going to make tawbah. Right? I'm going to make a special tawbah. One is we do the istighfar, that is seeking forgiveness, but tawbah, ruju ilallah, to actually feel, at least have one salat in a day where we do a sincere tawbah as well, along with the istighfar. Because istighfar and tawbah are two separate stages. Right? Tawbah is the final stage after istighfar. So have these kind of things that we, 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 we basically adhere to and we don't compromise on, then we'll see that inshallah there will be benefits. But if we're not going to do anything and then we just keep complaining, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. There are people out there who have emailed and say, I, I'm, I'm missing, you know, first I stopped the dhikr, I stopped this, I stopped, now I'm missing prayer as well. That's where it gets to. I've started listening to music. You know, before I just started listening to music once in a while. And now it's increasing. And that's it. This is exactly what, it's a balance. It's like you open this flood door or you open that flood door. And you close this one and you stop doing adhkar, etc. This one is going to open wide because the pressure. But if you have taqwa coming in, it's going to keep this door closed. Otherwise, the music comes in, this comes in, that comes in. And these are real case scenarios. Allah help us all. Allah help us all. Allah help us all. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alayhi. اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك في هذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنام يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Oh Allah we are your sinful servants Oh Allah we are your sinful servants Oh Allah we are your <coughs> we are your helpless servants we are servants who are in need of your mercy, your forgiveness, your attention, your compassion. Oh Allah, we have nothing to show. Oh Allah, years and years of sin, <coughs> neglect. Oh Allah, that's all we have to show. Oh Allah, we ask you for your forgiveness. We ask you for your compassion. We ask you for your love and the love of those who love you. Oh Allah, we ask that you shower our hearts with your light. You shower us with your forgiveness. Oh Allah, you shower us with your rahmah and your mercy. Oh Allah, we ask you for assistance in this regard. 
Oh Allah, accept our du'as. Oh Allah, accept our du'as. Accept our heartfelt du'as. Oh Allah, though we cannot always <clears throat> do what we promise you. Oh Allah, and we constantly fail. Oh Allah, the dirt of our heart, the dirt of our actions. We ask you to purify us. We ask you for a life of purity, a life of taqwa, a life of fear for you. Oh Allah, oh Allah. We ask that you allow us to prepare for your meeting before we're taken from this world unprepared. Oh Allah, we ask that you <coughs> grant us surroundings that are conducive for our obedience to you. Oh Allah, we ask that you fill our hearts with your obedience and the love of your obedience and your love. Oh Allah, that you remove the love of all else, the love of disobedience, the pleasure in disobedience. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us pleasure in your worship. Oh Allah, we ask that the little bit that we manage to do, that you accept it despite its weaknesses and its flaws. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we are damaged. Oh Allah, we ask that you accept us. Oh Allah. Oh Allah, we ask that you make our hearts the way you want them to be. Oh Allah, we ask that you make the hearts the way you want them to be. Oh Allah, all those who are sitting here, those who are listening, oh Allah, bless all of us. Don't allow us to turn away from this majlis without forgiveness. Oh Allah, all that we discussed today, oh Allah, grant us that kafiyah, grant us that state. Oh Allah, grant us that state. We believe in all of these things. We are constantly reading and listening to these things. But oh Allah, make that state of ihsan for us. Oh Allah, make the ihsan a state for us. Oh Allah, make ihsan a state for us. Oh Allah, grant us nisbah to you. Grant us this nisbah to you. Oh Allah, make it so embedded in the heart that nothing else then gives us any form of satisfaction. But only your satisfaction. Oh Allah, we ask that you make our tongues those who remember you. Our hearts that uh, make our hearts those that fear you. Oh Allah, make our tongues that those that are constantly engaged in your remembrance and hearts that are constantly in reverent fear of you. Oh Allah, protect us and our children and our progeny until the day of judgment. Protect the Muslim community. Protect the Muslim community. Grant us the strength and the conviction to avoid sins and avoid wrongdoings and avoid mistakes. Oh Allah, shower your blessing upon all of us. Shower your blessing upon all of us. Shower your blessing upon all of us. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alayhi.